What's going on, crew? Welcome to Cross Platform, where esports, entertainment, and business connect. So incredibly excited that you guys have decided to join us on this journey. We are going to be having tons of fun guests, tons of fun interaction, talking about some of the more exciting industries on the planet. Again, thank you so much for joining us on Cross Platform. Let's get into it. And we are officially live. Justin, All right. welcome to LinkedIn Live. Great. Hey. Is it, uh, can, is it safe to say this is probably one of your greater accomplishments in your career? So far, the greatest. So uh, I've, been waiting, I've been waiting for this invite for a while now. <laughs> well, I was going to say, what, last time I saw you, uh, I mean, we've been connected for a while. At, Unless people kind of jump in here, um, we can exchange our pleasantries. But like, man, you were one of my earlier phone calls when networking in the space. I was still with the NFL when we first had a phone call. You were a—I like to call you an early, uh, an early LinkedIn victim. Yeah, man. I remember we had a call. I think I was driving to pick up my kids or something, and you were like, "Hey, can we hop on the call?" I was like, "Yeah, for sure." So I'm always happy to. You know, chat about you know esports and gaming and things like that. So, well, for everyone dumping in here, you've got a quick crowd that's that's hopped in to, to see your beautiful face. Why don't you uh, <laughs> Why don't you give the rundown on who you are, uh, who you're with, and what you're focused on? Sure. So, uh, run partnerships with Misfits Gaming Group. So, across all of our properties globally. Um, my background also in marketing and advertising in the world of gaming. So worked about uh, 10 years with a company that was a startup that specialized in um, in-game video placements. So we had a player that worked in the world of Steam and Minecraft and some other weird stuff. So really used to like hitting a, a gamer who's leaned in and playing. And then of course, brands eventually gravitated toward reaching those individuals. So selling that ad space to both gaming publishers and, you know, non-endemic, uh, you know, people like trying to reach those gamers. Yeah. Uh, and then Spoon hit me up and said, what are you doing? Let's, let's chat. We're both surprisingly my last company was local in South Florida and that's where our headquarters are. So, you know, we got to talking and I just felt it was a natural progression being in gaming for 10 years prior to, to move into esports. So, so I actually find that to be interesting. Like, so is are you and Spoon good friends? Have you known each other for a while, or is it? No, we actually didn't know each other at all. We have a lot of mutual friends. It turns out. So, like a good girlfriend of mine who I went to high school with, are uh, their kids both are in the same like you know school and stuff, and then like other people that. He's known, like, you know, I'm a little bit older than Ben, so, like, I'll know, like, one kid's older brother, and he knows the sister, and, like, know the same people. It's kind of funny. So. So, so, you know, for the crowd that kind of watches here, for you know, for your knowledge, it's young entrepreneurs and, and people either looking to learn about esports, break into esports. It's kind of a whole array of people. But, you know, when talking about careers and, and breaking into gaming, sometimes it just happens, right? I mean, sometimes it is, like, a couple different people know each other from the same networks. Yeah, that's why I always, I, I guess I can say, like, I got lucky for me a long time ago. Like, I, there were two things I really wanted to do in marketing, and that was either, like, be in sports or in video games. 
And a long time ago, I got into gaming. I got, and that was all luck, basically. Like my friends, like, hey, I'm starting at a startup. And this is 10 years ago and advertising in video games was kind of like people didn't do it. So, you know, I took a chance and then fast forward, I was like, well, I can do like sports and gaming with esports. Let me, you know, why not take a chance? I feel like, I feel like you just have to put yourself out there. You got to talk to people. Uh, you know, the more people you meet, you never know who's going to go, go to a big company and they might remember you or, you know, there's people that I'll remember who I've interviewed from a long time ago that I'm like, Oh, a position open. Let's, let's reach out to them. I really like them. So you just never know. You know, it's, it's funny. I've, I've had a lot of conversations recently with just a couple of young guys who are getting ready for internships and things like that. And I always tell them is that, you know, networking with the guys who don't have jobs open, I think sometimes is the best way to do it. Because what people really don't want to do is go through the hiring process. You know, no one really wants to put a job notification out there, a job description, interview a bunch of people. What you'd rather do is be like, hey, I just talked to this kid like, you know, four months ago. We've got something open now that'd be perfect. Let's let's see if he's figured anything out. Like that's that's what companies really want to do. That's great advice. Like someone who's hired people, it's I say there's two hardest things in the world are hiring the right person and managing people. So like, if I can like not have to like not go through like reading tons of resumes and like screening stuff and having pre-phone interviews. I mean, I know it's important for, for the job, but if I know someone already is a fit and I feel comfortable with them and, and I think, you know, they can potentially handle the opportunity, then of course I'm going to talk to them first. So that's, yeah. that's great. It's why the recruiting industry is so lucrative. No, nobody <laughs> wants to deal with it. Um, well, let's uh, let's let's talk about you and your role because you guys have a, a, a bunch of different properties. Obviously, you have Misfits, you have the Mayhem, uh, you have Mutineers, uh, and now mm-hmm. you have the Accelerator. And there's a gazillion different things you're doing. So I guess you know you walk in day to day. You know you walk in today after your you know LinkedIn live session. What does your day look like? So first thing I'm doing is seeing what emails are coming in first thing in the morning. I try to gauge priority, like are there some stuff that we need to get handled right away and some stuff can wait. But ultimately, it's just right now we're very much in locking up our partnerships for next year, next season mode. Um, so it's a lot of discussions we're having. Like the other day, uh, we had a call with Alienware, who's a great partner of ours, about you know, what we're going to be doing for 2020. Um, they're getting their schedule of events lined up and things that are important to them. So we're kind of coordinating with our schedules and making sure that we'll be available for stuff that they need throughout the year. Um, you know, just that sort of stuff, just a lot of follow-ups. We had another partner who's a broadband telecommunications partner that we're going back and forth on a an opportunity and it's just answering questions, making sure they're comfortable knowing what they're getting into. And a lot of that with non-endemics, it's that it's, it's making sure they're comfortable with knowing, you know, how, how does a, how do we track all this stuff? How does a program work? And it's just me explaining right. like, you know, this isn't just like, Oh, we throw your picture up and then you don't hear from us for a year. You know, we really yeah. want to make sure that we're delivering these things and things like that. So, um, yeah, just just a bunch of calls right now. Normally, normally throughout the season, it might be more so uh, when there's events coming up that we have to plan. Um, how does it align with our sponsors? Our sponsors going to be there? Do we do we break stuff out and do something specific with them? Um, being in several leagues that 
tends to take up a lot of time. I mean, there's, you know, they're playing, our, our guys are playing literally from uh, end of January this year all the way through September. And then if our team, you know, if our teams perform well, they're going into playoffs and, you know, could go all the way until September, October. So it's almost a full Great. year. That's long. Yeah, it's long. So, um, so we're, you know, a lot of that well, during the season, it's a lot of that seeing what coordinates and, you know, what our sponsors have going on that, that we can help out with. So uh, and I want to talk about individual properties in a second, but let's just talk about from like a sponsorship partnership level, I guess, from your standpoint or from the things that you've seen, you know, when you talk about putting out metrics and, and success rates and things that's things that are working, you know, what, which, which things have you seen in particular that have worked really well and which ones have, which, what has not worked? And it doesn't necessarily have to be pertaining to misfits, but you know, just what's working, what's not working. Well, I think first thing it always comes down to is the, the sponsor, like every sponsor has different, KPIs are trying to reach not only like I, I heard a great phrase, not just return on investment, but return on objective, like right. breaking down a, a campaign or, or a partnership into specific objectives. Like they might have a sale going on for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, whose goals are very different from them showing off a new product that's not released yet, like a teaser or something like that. So it, uh, it comes down to like what their goals are first. Once you figure that out, um, it's a matter of just making sure that, first of all, everyone's on the same page internally. So from our social team, creative team, graphics teams, like everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing for that account. Um, that's first and foremost. And then once stuff is published or put out, it's measuring it, um, you know, against what their KPIs are. Uh, one thing that's really worked for us, a campaign that's been going really well is our milk it campaign or the people you made got milk you might remember that old um that old campaign yeah like for them growing their instagram and their youtube is really important and so a lot of our giveaways revolve around like making sure you go watch that video or go follow them on instagram a lot of the content we put out we put out a lot of igtv instagram stuff so um yeah and, and we measure a lot of that through um, you know, we have, we have tools that we use to measure growth of someone's social platform from when we put a post out, we can see the engagement, we can see the crossover of, of fan, new fans that they're getting versus us and things like that. So, um, we just show them like the growth that we're getting on their platforms. Based on the, based on the partnerships that you've done and the things that you've seen already, is there something consistent along with these brands, whether they be endemic or non-endemic that they're, that they're really striving for when partnering with an esports organization? Like. Is it social growth? Is it just awareness? Is there one KPI that's consistent across the board? Um, I mean, I guess all in all in general, the, the most important thing is they want to have, I mean, social growth is important to all of them, right. but making sure like, especially it's social growth in a specific community, like for a lot of them it's gaming, like how do we tap into more new consumers or new potential buyers that we weren't maybe speaking to before? Um, and that's where I guess this opportunity for gaming comes in. A lot of brands are starting to gravitate toward that audience. Um, so they never really had campaign, like, you know, Louis Vuitton never had a line for gamers before. And now, you know, they're starting to do that. Who will gauge and see how it's successful or not, but at least, you know, people are starting to think about that audience differently. Um, so I think that that's important. Um, but ultimately, I mean, it really is different across the board. I mean, it's hard to say, 
you know, every brand's different. Like for what we do with Alienware, it's more from a tangible product standpoint, people getting their hands on stuff to try it out. So we do a lot of events type stuff. And then with Milk It, there's almost no events. It's all socially driven. So, and then with G Fuel, socially driven, but from a sales perspective, like how can we help move the, help them move product using affiliate codes and using our players and things like that. So they're all really different. So as we kind of move into specific properties, I see Jeremy Pours in here is pumping, pumping your tires, saying your name. Hey, Jeremy. You know, I've had I've had Jeremy Poron from Atlanta uh, not too long ago. I had Brett Diamond from The Rocker, and, and and all three of you guys actually find to be incredibly different based on the properties that you have. Um, you're working with three, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna consider the accelerator to be a fourth. And I don't, you know, if there's a fifth and sixth that I don't know about, I, I wouldn't be shocked, or at least I'm not <laughs> I'm not saying, but you got a lot of different stuff going on. Right. And I, and, and I'm curious as I'm curious to know, are there different partners that you're bringing in for each property? Is it misfits across the board? I guess, you know, you, to, I mean, in my opinion, you've got out of the different guests that I've had, you have the most under, under misfits that, you know, need sponsorship and partnership. So is it all kind of aligned and based on what you're trying to do and you're having all trickle down or, uh, we, we'd like to have it that way, but it's difficult with the leagues that like certain leagues have, have restrictions for categories and stuff. And Overwatch is trying to open up a few categories to make it a little easier for the teams. But ultimately, like we would love, for instance, like Alienware to have everything, um, for every league. But of course, it's difficult when certain categories are blocked. But, um, we really look at it from, each team being its own entity like our league of legends team is very different the, the consumer is different on, on those teams uh you know the type of gamer you reach is very different and like from call of duty standpoint that's launching you know that's a console uh console first controller based you know ecosystem whereas if you try to push that for league of legends like the, the consumers would think you're, you're you're ridiculous like they don't play on controller and piece and consumer and uh uh, console. So, you know, we, we do treat it very differently. Um, I mean, there's some brands that we think makes it like one of the things I was, uh, I've, I've seen really do well across all three, no matter what league you're in is payment services. I mean, it's the one thing I think no matter where you are, gamers are using digital currency, um, whether if it's NeoSurf or PaySafe card or cash app or, you know, PayPal or Venmo, like, um, that's something that can go across everything. Uh, so there are a few brands that make sense across, um, you know, all those footprints. And then there's some where it doesn't make sense. And then some that we'd love to do it, but there's restrictions in those leagues. So, uh, but we do think of them each one individually. So with Call of Duty getting ready to start, I'm assuming I'll, I'll, I'm assuming I'll see you in Minnesota. Yeah, we're trying to figure out who's going. I mean, I'm, it's going to be really cold, so I might choose not to go. I mean, are, you, are you willing to sacrifice your your hotel room up there for? I mean, you're in Boca Raton. I know. So I, I so we're actually going through the process on, the, on who's going up, and everyone's like, "Man, it's going to be really cold there." Like, like everyone's now like, I think trying to draw the straw to like who can like not have to go. But like, no, we're excited to go. Like, I. Like I'm probably going to be up there. Um, it's tricky because we're also I, 
right, they just released, or I don't know if they released it, but they told us the, the date for the League of Legends season starts. And that core, that's very close to the same date. So I might have to go to Berlin. Um, and then, so we'll, we're, we're, luckily for us, there's enough people where we'll divide and conquer, but um, we'll see where I end up. So, um, and, and to that point, you know, that's that opening weekend is the 20, 24th. So is there a priority list that you have right now? Is Call of Duty taking up the majority of your time or do you have to spread your attention across, across everyone? It's spread across everyone. Uh, I mean, I guess fortunately and unfortunately, all the leagues start around the same time this year. So, you know, you have um, Overwatch League is, is usually a couple weeks after that date. And then um, League of Legends and Call of Duty this year are pretty close. So it's, it's kind of all hands on deck across everything. So, like, we just finished our media day obviously the media day and player summit for call of duty. And I think we did our, I think next week or the week out, I'm sorry, the week after next week we do like there's media day stuff for league of legends. So it's, it's all really coming all of them like right now. So we don't really can't really pick and choose. Standard esports, right? There's, there's never, yeah. there's never a restless moment. <laughs> right. And like, I think we just did our, we had to submit our jerseys to the league of legends to get printed and stuff officially for the league stuff. So, you know, it's all everything's happening at once. So, but it's exciting. Did you guys do a rebrand? Um, maybe. <laughs> the, there might be some changes in uh, some some uh, colors and designs for across some of our league teams. There you go. There you go. We won't. We won't. I'm not going to sit here and make you spoil anything. Let's talk about um, the Call of Duty brand. Uh, okay. I think the I think it's awesome. Um, I, I, I have, I have yet to put out my personal rankings on brand quite yet, but I know that Mutineers is at least in my top three to five. Um, I love what you guys did. So tell me about the brand, the thought behind it, and how it all came together. Yeah, I mean, first off, for Call of Duty itself, I mean, we were pretty bullet. We were like, you know, this is. I heard it, this was told to me by my one of my account managers. He goes. You know, the good news is Call of Duty has been given out for the holiday gifts for like the last, you know, for a lot of years. It's been under a lot of trees and a lot of unwrapped presents. So the player base is huge. Um, if we can capitalize on that player base uh, more so than what CWL did, which they did a phenomenal job of, of capitalizing on fans, if we can grow that, which I think the spectacle of these teams will help grow that. We'll naturally have people in-state who are Call of Duty fans who maybe weren't esports fans necessarily, but now they're, they get to rep their home state, which I think is great for a fan base in the United States. Um, so with those fans, thinking about those fans for Mutineers, you know, we wanted to be somewhat Florida-centric. If, if you look at our colors, it's, you know, it's, that, it's the bright dark orange and like this turquoise which fits a lot with like, you know, the dolphins and we have the, the, the hot orange, like reddish orange, like the heat and the hurricanes orange. So it's like, we try to like play sure. in a color scheme. Uh, and then the mutineer aspect, we really wanted to do something along with pirates. I mean, as a fun kind of lore, like pirates really were a big part of this South Florida, Miami, Caribbean aspect a long time ago. Um, we thought the theme around pirates was fun. We can build out a really good narrative 
um, getting people to join the crew, so to speak, and and having this code and, and just building off that from a marketing platform. We thought there were a lot of different things we could do. We're doing some really fun stuff for our homestands with, we thought the monster element of the Kraken and like Davy Jones locker was fun with the tentacles. So those will be incorporated into our matches and stuff some more. And, and there'll be some fun stuff for our fans uh, at the game. So we just thought there was a really good story we could sort of lay out for the season. Also, we, we joked around maybe making like each uh, match like a, a plot on a map and we have to get to the X marks the spot, which is the championship. Like, how do we show that? Like, there was a lot of fun things we could build off of it. So this wasn't, it wasn't just like a, I know, let's just pick this and we'll run with it. We really thought about um, like how to build out a narrative um, and a marketing strategy for it. So uh, we're really excited. We think there'll be some fun stuff coming. Uh, I'm really excited for our homestands. Um, we have some great venues uh, that are being really, that have been really great about letting us kind of, everything we've asked for so far, they're like, yeah, let's do it. And we just keep asking for more ridiculous stuff. Like we asked for gigantic Kraken tentacles to make it look like they're coming out of the arena. And they were like, yeah, let's do it. We're like, what? Okay, so we keep asking for more stuff. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it'll be, it's going to be really fun, I think. Let's, um, and, and by the way, if you're watching, uh, please start throwing in some questions and we'll, we'll start hammering away at Justin. Um, but I, just because you brought up uh, live events and, and homestands, you know, last time I saw you was at the Atlanta homestand, which, yeah. you know, to, to Jeremy's credit, was incredibly well done. We had a great weekend and it was, it was, uh, uh, it was just, you know, really well put together. And I know it was a struggle. Um, but, what I can, or I guess, what have you learned? You've been to homestand, you've been to live events, you know, what's your focus for building out these homestands for, uh, for the mutineers? I mean, fortunately we have a team that gets to worry about all that stuff, but <laughs> I, I try to work with them on, um, when I think of it, like, so what I really think about is from our partner's perspective, what can they do there that's going to be additive to the experience? So one thing I always thought about, there's just a lot of like, so when you go to an esports event, you're usually there to watch like your one team, maybe there's two teams you follow real well, or there's a couple of players that you really like to so watch them play, but there's a lot more matches than just those one or two. So like, what do we do with those people during the time frame when they're not watching the match live? So that's what, that's what I really tried to focus on. So we're trying to come up with some really fun things we can do at activation spaces, um, some stuff that's more than just like, you know, sample this product, but, you know, really have a, a tie into sort of an experience. I mean, we want people to have fun while they're at the event, whether they're watching their specific team play or not. I mean, ultimately, we'd love everyone to be in their seats the whole time and watch every match. But, you know, we know that's not how they operate. So that's been my focus. So we've been working with our production company and the sponsors about building out space. What ideas can we do? We had some really good ideas. Uh, one person wanted to do um, a hand-eye coordination, uh, like brain recognizance test to show like how pro gamers, because there's, there's all this, all these studies now are out on, on how quick response times for pro gamers are and like how quick their hand-eye coordination response times are and have regular people try to like do it as if they're a pro, like do these tests. So we thought like that would be a fun activation um, at our home stands for people to do. You should, Stuff I, like that. 
Well, you, you know, we did that thing at, when I was at Access Replay for uh, with um, Mamba Sports and uh, mm-hmm. Mamba Sports Academy, and they did that cognition training for us at our summer camp. So it's pretty cool. Here we go, making connections right on LinkedIn. There you go. Uh, all right, so I've seen some questions come in already. A question here from Colton Hill. Uh, what differences in audience behavior do you see going from gaming to esports specific, specifically? I tend to think of it like the entry point before you can get to be an esports fan, you kind of have to be a gamer. So mm-hmm. I feel like you kind of have a lot broader of a user from a gaming perspective. And that's like myself, like I didn't watch a lot of esports until I got into it. Like I always like would, you know, would be interested in it, but it wasn't like I didn't treat it from a, a natural spectator capacity. And I think just getting gamers to go see a live event, to literally go and check it out, it, 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 there's a really high probability that they'll be that they'll be really interested and become fans. It, it really is something it's hard to explain. It's like a mix between like uh watching like obviously watching your one of your favorite sports but then like with a rock concert element i don't know how to explain it it's like a really fun experience so like um yeah i think you treat them differently i mean gamers in general i think there's a lot of similarities obviously you're not an esports fan if you're not a video game video play games i think so there's a lot of foundations that are similar but at the same time there's a lot of differences um you know so i think that there's a natural progression like first you like games and then it's can you get maybe you watch some games that your friends play and then maybe it's like some of your friends are good and maybe one's going to go play in a tournament let's go check it out and then eventually you can get them into a become an esports fan um hitting those people i think like i said there's some there's messaging that works across both and there's some that's going to be tailored to each one so uh hopefully that answers the question i don't know <laughs> i think it's a great answer i guess you know can you in your current role and really is ever like 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 do you see value in going and trying to uh gain a larger fan base converting non-gaming and non-esports fans not saying that they're like against esports but like you know being like hey i know you don't watch call of duty or i know you don't play call of duty but you know why don't you why don't you come out like is that is that worth it or or is it kind of like you know you like what you like, why try and convince you otherwise? Um, we've done some stuff. So like one thing we've at least tried to focus on is from a demographic standpoint. So like we had our college tour this year for the first time ever. And we went to, I think it was like nine stops in Florida. And, you know, we went to schools that had gaming clubs, but also did stuff on campus that wasn't, maybe the gaming club was associated, but it was opened up to more more people and you know we've done events where the gaming club might consist of like you know 50 to 100 kids and 200 people show up mm-hmm. so we know that there's more interest on campus than maybe the people don't want to join the gaming club but they do like video games maybe they'll come check it out we try to make it a little more fun we do giveaway prizes we did you know free food things like that and Anytime you give away shirts like free shirts and free food on a college campus is going to draw a crowd so we can convert we can convert a couple of those people into not only just esports fans, but fans of our team, then even better for me, right? We can hit those people again later on for tickets or merch and things like that. So uh, I do think it's worth trying a little bit to grow your fan base. I don't think you need to put all your eggs into that basket. We definitely can 
can activate and target to our specific fans more so and better. I think having home matches in states just gives people more of an opportunity to go see a live event. If there were esports fans, there's probably a lot of esports fans have never seen, you know, League of Legends, one of the most watched esports. They probably have never seen a League of Legends match live. You know what I mean? So I think there's a lot of opportunities to still bring a, a really cool element and grow on the fan base that we already have. But at the same time, you got to do a little bit of, of, you know, bringing pe- new people in. So, and, and that just comes down to the type of pizza that you offer, really. <laughs> Usually it's whatever the school like. Uh, <laughs> right. They have some, they have some pretty good deals, those colleges with pizza places. So. Man, I went to Ole Miss. It was like, I got a, a slice of pre- a pizza and a free rack of ribs. Um, that's a that's a good deal. It's like free barbecue with a purchase of pizza. So anything. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, good question from my buddy Adam Nelson. Uh, what ROI is the most important for newer partners and sponsors in esports? Well, not, again, I think they're all different, but I think the most important thing from a new partner is they want to feel that. A, they're going to be taken care of. They, they want to know that what they're getting into, if they've never done esports, like ensuring them that, you know, there's real metrics, there's, there's real reporting. We show them like specific reach and how well stuff did. And it, you know, we try to get them to understand like this is, just, you know, if you partner with anything else that's been, that has a little bit more longevity than esports, it, it's no different. You're, you're, we're going to show you you know, valuations, not from us. We're not going to say that comments. We're going to show you Nielsen reporting and we're going to show you Blink Fire, which tons of teams use and other sports. We're going to show you kind of what social demographics are and breakdown of our audience. So as long as I think once they start understanding that like, this is a real business, it's not just like, you know, throw, throw logos up there for fun. Um, they start getting a little bit more uh, comfortable and understanding like, all right, I, I feel safer that I'm, that I'm that I've entered into this realm it's it's not uh you know it's, it's not just like throwing stuff up there and guessing what we're going to get um and and that's a testament to a lot of these orgs and a lot of these leagues you know we have a lot of seasoned people that have been in the world of partnerships and marketing and you know so they understand sort of the pain points and I think you know it's, it's starting to get to a point where brands are feeling more comfortable doing it. I think that's to me, that's the most important ROI. If you can get them to, to buy in and trust you and feel comfortable in the partnership early on, then that's really important. And that's, that's like any partner, but at least from a new esports partner, I think that, that would, that, that's a really good way to kind of put it across the board for everybody. I think what you said, what you said about just making sure someone feels taken care of, you know, it's uncharted territory for a lot of people and some people just need their hand held and they're like, yeah. I know I need to be a part of this, but I just don't know how. And I just need to know that you're gonna you're gonna do me right, you know. You're gonna right, make, yeah. yeah, my my dollars are are being spent in the right area, and and what I'm doing is you know. So I don't I get a call from my boss at some point, being like, "What did you spend on?" <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it's true. Like you, like you said, a lot of this is uncharted territory for brands, and listen, it's, it's it's uncharted territory for a lot of stuff. I mean, esports has been around for a while, but not in the capacity that we see it now, and that's different from, you know, there was never a city-based Call of Duty league. There's only been three seasons of Overwatch, where it's you know homestands in every tw- twenty places, you know, twenty home regions. 
so it's changing a lot too. And I think it's, you know, a lot of brands are interested. Obviously, there's a lot of people that want to know what it's like and how is it. Um, and yeah, I think they just have to feel comfortable. And I think if they're going to be a partner of yours starting out, they're going to need, they're going to say like, listen, we've never done this. What do we do? We have a lot of people say like, all right, what do we do? <laughs> you know, it's like, right. you know, so you know, it, 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 yeah, it's normal. Classic. What do we do? Um, right. Another great question from a good buddy of mine, David Frazier at Gamers Out. Hey, Dave. They've been doing some awesome stuff yeah great stuff congrats on the most recent uh success on on the uh fundraising just recently huge congratulations yeah just always crushing it david big fan um is your organization focused more on cultivating the local florida community regional or national fan base so it depends on the team so for us uh the florida mutineers and mayhem is definitely florida focused a lot of our sponsors for those teams are going to that, that will announce soon are, are very Florida based. Um, we want to activate with those partners in our home state, both you know for their um, you know what they normally do for their activations, as well as what we're going to be doing. And then Misfits is tricky. So Misfits, we have a team Misfits in LFL and LEC, but then we also have our um clash royale team on the west coast and then we also have our our um fortnite team which will have a couple of fun announcements coming out for those guys uh so that'd be cool um i can't share too much yet but we're, we'll make some pretty big signings yeah, i'll tell you that if you come on linkedin live you have to spill all of your deepest darkest secrets yeah uh let's just say let's just say in the coming months there'll be a lot of content from a very nice place filmed in Florida for our Fortnite team. So see, uh, you come on to LinkedIn live on Tuesday mornings at nine 30, you get exclusives from guys like Justin. Right. Big time. So, you know, for us, Fortnite is a very national play. Right. Um, whereas the mutineers aren't, I mean, we'll, we'll probably, there's some national national elements there, but, and Overwatch, you know, for that, we're also looking very regionally and, and state focused. Um, but yeah, I think it's by team, it's different. And then our LEC team is pretty global. I mean, all, with the growth of the LEC, we, the playoffs are one of the most watched playoffs this year across any, across any league for the playoffs itself, uh, for the LEC playoffs. Um, um, and we, we really truly believe that you know it's, it's it is a very good league top to bottom. Uh, there's some really strong teams in that league. Obviously, of G2, Fnatic, and Spice did really well. Rogues coming up, and Excel's getting better. Hopefully, we can get back to how we were playing a couple couple years ago. So, you know, we think there's a lot of strong teams, and there's a lot of fans of those of of you know those teams that compete really well. So, to us, that's a little more of a global play. Got it. Okay, that makes total sense. Um, uh, question here: How do you see licensing unfolding within esports teams and organizations? Licensing, like for our own IP or using brand licensing? Yeah, for, for the sake of this question, yeah. So for Misfits, it's pretty straightforward. Like we own our all of our own IP and licensing yeah. and all trademark. For the leagues, it's different. It's a little tricky because brand, you know, teams have to have or brands need to have a league license deal to be able to to sell product on behalf of teams using the team IP. So it's tricky. I think, um, yeah, it's treated differently from, from league versus our own team misfit stuff. So 
for us from a misfit standpoint, we wanted to be try to get that IP synonymous, you know, with like any big sports team. Like, you know, you have brands like the Cowboys and Barcelona Football Club and, and Man U who people that don't even watch those sports know who those brands are and they really treat it like a brand play. Um, hopefully we can get, you know, some big aspirations, but you know, that's how we want to treat the Misfits gaming um, IP. And for us, it's when we license that out, it's strategic. We want to try to do stuff that is both going to you know, be of interest to our fan base, but then also offer, you know, leveraging whatever partners reach uh, that does license it. Does it make sense for our brand? Does it add value to our brand? Things like that we think of. There'll be some fun stuff, like I said, along the Fortnite thing with Misfits announced, and we have some fun stuff coming up with LEC um, using our IP to, uh, and partnering with some brands. So there'll be some stuff soon on that. There's a question here from William Simmons about, and I'm going to expand the question a little bit. It's regarding partnerships. You know, what do you focus on when evaluating partnerships? And something that I can that I would would like to add on is, you know. Are there a lot of people in Florida who have come to you and have just, you know, wanted to get involved in this, but maybe hadn't wanted to do it from a strategic standpoint or just wanted to do a logo slap or just hasn't been right for, for what you guys are focused on? So a couple of things. So like as for local businesses, yes. I think a lot of businesses are still hesitant. They say like, what can we do small to start? They don't want to just be like, oh, you're a team in esports. Like here's everything. You know, they really want to be like, hey, we're interested in this. What can we do small? Which for us, it's always, you know, at least from a local business standpoint, where we can actually tap into their, um, uh, where we can tap into their fan base um, and and really work against, uh, you know, their reach in the community. Because a lot of these companies, like we got reached out to a really fun, for those who have ever been in Florida or not, there's a really big water park called Rapids and Rapids water park reached out. Like, right. What can we do together? Yeah. You know, I don't know if a water park <laughs> necessarily made much sense to a lot of brands, but for us, for mutineers, like, all right, it's a pirate themed team. Like, what could we do there? Maybe there's some fun stuff we can do. Um, and I'm always on the side of, of having a conversation, hearing people out, seeing what can make sense. You never know. A brand initially might not think, it could make sense. And then next thing you know, you have a conversation and there might be something that sparks yeah. an opportunity. Um, I guess so would, it, would it come down to, it just makes more sense to exhaust all options first, right? I mean, right now, I mean listen, we're in esports and the, the, the landscape isn't very old. So right now, if you're, if you're in a position where you can just turn down conversations that may or may not come to any fruition, like more power to those orgs, the way I see it right now, I mean, you know, I'm not going to turn down any initial conversations. If if there's a conversation someone's interested, I'm happy to happy to see see hear them out, see them out. I mean, not every conversation is going to lead to stuff. Um, you know, we've had some where it just doesn't make sense, and we're like, yeah, you know, maybe down the road we can circle back. But right now, it's just not what we're doing or looking for. But you know, I, I wouldn't ever just say no without. Uh, hearing someone out and seeing what they have. Um, so, uh, Jeremy, Jeremy wants to know how much you're paying Davy Jones to be the Mutineers' manager. <laughs> uh, 
that's, a, that's a very uh it's a very private uh we don't release payroll information so yeah you know what jeremy have a little sense of respect here that's just not that's not an appropriate question to ask live <laughs> let's just say let's just say um uh there's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of fun that we have coming with some memes before we hopped on live uh you know with jack sparrow in the conversation it's been uh it's been it's been a wild morning um Dallas Hall, good buddy of mine from Act Replay. How do you feel about the League of Legends being passed up by the Olympics for traditional sports as a traditional sports game? I mean, to me, I think League of Legends is probably like the hardest esport to master. There's just so many different elements that are not only changing from the game itself and how you, you, how you level up your hero, but also against people you're playing against. So it's like, it's very, I just think like, if you want to introduce esports to like the grand masses, League of Legends is very popular and it's, and people understand it that are in esports, how difficult it is and why it's so watched because these pros are so good. If you ever tried to play a MOBA yourself, there's so much to think about and do while you're playing. It's not just right. moving your guy around. It's, there's a lot to think about. It's a hard esport to just jump into and watch. You know, right. it's a lot. It's a lot harder to jump into and watch and say like CS:GO. It's very straightforward. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it'll take some time. I'm not. I think it's it's hard to make a case for that from a general spectator standpoint to being like the game that's introduced to the masses for esports. You can share the numbers and say, look, there's hundreds of millions of people that watch this. Um, so we know that that esports landscape is is very big, and you know we know people enjoy it. But at the same time, I think if you showed if you showed League of Legends to someone who's never seen esports before, they I mean, you see the chance kid. It's like I don't know what I'm looking at. You literally, the person would literally be like, I have no clue what I'm watching, like none at all. Nah. And so I think I think it's hard to introduce that right away into the Olympics. So. Well, it's, it's funny. I think about it from the sense of the demographic that'll be changing, right? As parents are starting to, you know, raise kids as gamers, right? There, there's there's probably a time, ten to twenty years from now, where it's just more of a conversation, right? And it's just more, you know, that like the kids have been raised watching League of Legends for so long that it's now second nature, right? <laughs> yeah, I think. I think down the road it will be. Yeah, I think people uh, people start understanding. I I, I really want to make like I'm going to share. This could be like a billion dollar opportunity. Whoever's watching and you guys know how to create. I think there should be like, remember like pop up video for music videos, like little tidbits. There should be pop up like esports for like League of Legends. Like give you like Bruno. Here's why this happened. Like yeah. a little message, like dumbing it down for people to watch it when they're starting to get introduced into League because. Eventually, yeah, people are going to get it. Um, but when you when you introduce it now to people, listen, I still struggle with Overwatch and sitting down with my father who watches a lot of golf. Right? I mean, golf, golf is straightforward, right? When I get to right. try and walk through Overwatch, I'm like, he's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, I'm CC. Yeah, can't do it. <laughs> yeah, over and 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 that's the thing. Like Overwatch too. There's a lot of different perspectives going on. They switch from you know, POV from each player, but then they also show like the general, you know, bird's eye view and stuff. And 
there's different objectives for each map and it but yeah I mean, it's they're they're very intricate games to not only watch but to be really and i think that's what draws people to watching it these guys are i always tell people like they're so good if you ever watch like a pro like i think it was great to see like what overwatch does some of the 1v1s at brencast and they show like how good pros are at like even even not playing the, the natural position they play like just how good they are mechanically at these games you then get a you then get a sense of of almost like appreciation and so you watch it like man you can't normal people just can't pick it up and do what they do so um but yeah eventually i think there'll be more natural conversations with kids that start playing like my daughter knows how to use the tablet plays her little you know daniel tiger games and she's turning four so yeah, it'll become more commonplace uh, down the road. A potential, a potential part of the uh, Misfits organization down the road, down, down the road? Is that, is that we'll the, see. <laughs> if we ever get into kids' games, maybe we'll see. <laughs> um, Competitive right, Daniel Tiger. <laughs> we're going to start looking into the, the future as we kind of start to wind down here. Um, a good question from Mark Engelhardt. What are the most influential technologies coming to esports and gaming, in your opinion? What kind of value do you think tech startups can bring in the game? That's a that's a that's a good question. Um, you know, so first off, I think you know, obviously, what's what's being used a lot right now is media valuation, brand logo tracking, things like that. Which, as more and more brands, and also making those better, like we talk with Nielsen regularly, and there's certain. They're, they just tweak their algorithm on how they're tracking this stuff. And, you know, we're talking with them on how there could be differences. And also using that information, we found out some different interesting camera angles that are being used on the live esports broadcast. So, like, not only using the media evaluation tracking software for that, but then also leagues using it to understand what they're showing on screen more. How can, league, how can players and teams benefit more based on where there's angles? Um, you know, where to conduct interviews. Is there things that we can do to help bolster, um, you know, brand recognition for, for our sponsors? And then on top of that, you have stuff from a streamer perspective, you know, with Streamlabs. And I think you're going to see bigger and better uh, integration into, um, you know, into, into streaming that's going to tap more into, let's say, um, one of the things, obviously, they do well is from a from a charity standpoint. How can we tie that even more? Can can there be cooler stuff that happens if people donate and click on the link? What what certain things can we have take place um, live? You know, it really is a live event. Uh, what can we do from a live event standpoint on streaming? Uh, in tie and taking that over not just on a regular stream, but like you know, on pro streams too on, on esports. Like, what can we do that's more interactive? Um, I don't know if you guys have ever watched the NFL on Twitch. I mean, they do a really good job from an interactive standpoint. I think using those 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 elements on the digital landscape gives you a lot of opportunities on what you can do for your for your broadcast. And then, lastly, I think a really strong point we're seeing more and more is um, performance tracking, um, using AI to better understand. Uh, how your players will perform, what elements or variables go into getting maximum output as more and more teams are spending 
hundreds of thousands of dollars on players and millions on league franchise rights, you're going to start seeing teams focus more on more and getting the most performance out of their players. And, you know, we've talked to a couple of platforms that do this for NFL teams. We talked to people do it for the Niners. They built out their whole entire, you know, everything to track everything for their players. So like that's going to, I think that aspect from a competitive standpoint to become more and more prevalent um, in the world of esports. And, you know, <laughs> you just, I mean, you think about where we are in, in 2019 and like how many different things I, I, I continuously say it like VR and AR, in my opinion, getting down. I don't know. I don't know how close it is. I, I know that I can't do it right now because it's just like <laughs> sick, but there is a certain level where I believe VR and AR changes the way that we not only watch traditional sports, but esports as well. I mean, especially AR. I mean, if you look, if you think about it, that that first down marker that you see on a TV screen is AR, right? If you think of it like it's a digital, it's a digital add-on to a live extension that you see on screen. Like that's what AR is, right? So like that's a very simple, very recognizable element to AR. That's actually very complicated to do to back it, be, make it so accurate. But at the same time, like that you know, that is an AR application. And it, it, to me, there's so much you can do. I think the NHL did it for a while where they had like the trail for the puck when it right. got over certain speeds and stuff like that, right? Like there's certain things that you can really do to enhance um, a, the viewing experience um, that really won't take away from what you're watching but really add to it. So I mean, that might like, my dad and I watched play, play and watch a lot of golf. The shot tracker was the best thing that ever happened. Right. Yeah. Shot, and if you watch golf now, there's a shot tracker. You're like, this, like I need a shot tracker. I need a shot tracker. I need the yeah, shot tracker. I know there's so much that takes. Like, why would we want to watch this like blue line take off? And then you're like, you know, this makes sense. I'd love to see that, you know, that yeah. draw right around the corner. Exactly. So, like, I think, and those are all AR applications, and they're done on a really mass scale for the broadcast. But all, all of that. So, like. From laying over streams, from even just you know influencer streams to live broadcasts for esports events to fan inter- you know maybe maybe even tapping into specific fan um, specific fan engagement from what they're seeing from a POV perspective, um, you know from a, from an audience standpoint even like there's all sorts right. of applications that we can use for AR. All right, so I want to start. Uh, shutting it down with three questions. One, I want to start on for this audience, um, uh, a very, very prevalent uh, presence in this industry. Kieran, uh, Kieran John asked, uh, what are your thoughts on young entrepreneurs trying to get into esports? And I want to broaden the question a little bit to literally just breaking into esports as a whole. I'm sure your LinkedIn is loaded with young guys who want to either come work for you and, uh, you know, figure out how to break in the space, just like I did uh, when we first connected. Uh, you've now seen it a lot. Um, you've seen people make it or still have to, to break in yet. I guess what's what's separating people in your mind in regards to breaking into esports? The, what I've seen work the best if you're not in esports is just putting yourself out there, reaching out, um, you know, if you really believe you have a strong product or opportunity or skill set, showcasing that, don't be afraid to 
to make a connection and, you know, send someone, if you have a, if you have a, there's, like there's people we've talked to that, you know, right out of the blue have offered, have offered, um, you know, a great example, look at eFuse. Like they've been working on that product for a while. I remember talking with them a while back. Uh, they even have an investor who's a, who's a, a, one of my friend's dads. So like, you know, this is something that I think, you know, they had a passion and a vision um, that, you know, they, they work, they put it out there and they talked to tons of people, like tons. So um, you just, I think you just have to be proactive if you want to get into esports. Um, it's a pretty small community still. So you have, you have to, Basically, have to like budge your way in. You just have to be kind I of relentless. I literally think that one like a, as you know, LinkedIn is is where I think it's make or break. B, since I started when I first was talking to you, the hashtag LinkedIn or sorry, the hashtag esports uh, on LinkedIn, the following of it was around twenty five hundred, and today it's only at like nine thousand. So. Yeah. Yeah, it hasn't grown that much, but I mean, everyone who's posting about esports on LinkedIn is literally hashtagging esports, and that's your opportunity to stand out. Give your thoughts, connect with those people, write unique messages. So, in regards to standing out, when it comes from a free standpoint, that's always my advice. Some guys still don't do it; drives me crazy. Um, let's uh, let's talk about 2020, um, and this is this is where you can plug anything you'd like to anything you want to uh, want to promote but what does esports look like for 2020 and what does 2020 hold for misfits um well 2020 for us is going to be a very big endeavor considering we're going to have four homestands across overwatch and call of duty and then we're taking on a pretty big endeavor for fortnite as well um, that'll be coming a little bit later. Um, so I think ultimately for us, it's, it, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of stuff that's gonna, um, gonna be a lot of big stuff happening for us. So hopefully we capitalize on that. And for, uh, you know, for us, for esports wise, you know, can we, can we grow our fan base? Can we get a little bit more, um, you know, people coming out to our events to buy tickets. Can we get a little bit, you know, more people buying our merch? Like, can, can we get a larger fan pool? Like those types of things. So hopefully we can uh, get all those for, um, you know, with the growth of, of having these in-market games. Um, but yeah, it's going to be busy. I'll tell you that. We're going to, not only that, but like home, not even just home fans, like track, like game people are, people are going to be playing in home markets. So like, Going up to Atlanta with Jeremy and those guys, like yeah, I think I think we play, I think us and Atlanta play almost like every like because we're in the same division. So like, and we're, luckily we're very close. So like, it's a really quick flight back and forth. So um, between Atlanta phase and Mutineers years and the rain and and uh, yeah. we have a, it's actually pretty fun. Like we um, our social teams do a pretty good job of playing off. Um, I think we did like a bet for um, McDonald's Happy Meals. We we, we <laughs> bet that, so, things like that. So we both we both were the red and you know the McDonald's teams last year. So this past season. So well, you both um, have great content teams. I know that. Yeah, we both both social teams are really good. So it was it was fun. Like I think we'll have a lot of fun with it. 
All right, and esports. What are you most excited about as a whole for esports? Man, I think I, I really, I really want to see how these home. And there's never been. I mean, obviously we've had home stands in a few locations like Atlanta and Dallas and LA. I've, we've never seen it on such a max scale for every city across the board. So I'm very intrigued to see how that's received. Um, and then same thing with Call of Duty. Like Call of Duty's existed from an esports standpoint for, for a while now. How does that does that become embraced from a city league? Like I don't know. I'm just really intrigued to see how fans react to that uh, in 2020. Um, hopefully, really well is what my you know is what we're banking on. But um, that and I'm excited to see like you know just new new superstars in in this landscape. You know, yeah, yeah Hugo, no one heard of. Going into Cup and he's like, you know, getting on Fallon and, and making commercials. And you got, you know, you have other people that are going to pop off in Call of Duty League that haven't been heard of. And you have people that are going to, and we're seeing other guys retire. There's some big name retirements for Overwatch League. Like what new people are going to come up? We just brought in a few rookies from Runway. So, you know, there'll be, you know, who knows? Like we're excited to see what big kind of, stars this this landscape can produce and there'll be new ones for sure so i'm excited to see that i know, you know it's this it's the same standard names i want to see somebody else on fallon you know i i would use right i think you i think we will i mean you had like the shock win overwatch and you have you know i think i think you're gonna see and I, also the media landscape i think is a little more listen up i think all of those guys did a phenomenal job um, being present uh, on a late night talk show. And I think it kind of made people a little bit more relaxed and be like, all right, we can't have esports pros on and they won't. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, like they're, 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 they're good to talk to. They, they know what they're saying. And, you know, I think, I think that helped a lot. Um, so I think like, a lot of times maybe the there's a misnomer on like esports pros that they're, that they're not, you know, they, they can't hit on themselves talking to other humans, but, you know, they're very good. But They're very good. Uh, they're very, very good. Yeah. All right, brother. Well, you had about, I think you maxed out at about 95 people watched you this morning. All big, right. Big number. Christy St. Like Martin. Christy that's Martin. the most concurrent I've ever had. <laughs> Christy St. Martin still holds the record. I'm wondering, but you did beat Jeremy, so you can, you can shove that in his face uh, right. next to him. Um, but I appreciate you hopping on. I know you're busy. Good luck with 2020. Good luck with uh, everything you guys are working on. If anyone wants to find you, uh, follow you, or you know any any social media plugs you want to throw in last second here. I mean, I'm pretty easily findable on LinkedIn. It's just me. Twitter. I think I'm Big J Steph. If I remember correctly, I don't know all my handles. Um, Let's see. I don't even know my Instagram. I'm on there, but I couldn't tell you what the what the actual <laughs> handle is. Just just follow Misfits Gaming. Just find all the Misfits Gaming stuff. I'm usually pretty. I follow all of my team stuff pretty closely. So if someone hits me up there, I'll, I'll get it. Good man. All right. Well, I appreciate you hopping on this morning. Enjoy the holiday season with your family, and uh, we will talk soon. All right. Likewise, Herb. All right, man. And I owe you a hat. I haven't forgot. I do the key to my heart. You want me to wrap yeah, the brand? I got you. <laughs> All right, brother. Take All care. Right. I'll talk to Thanks, you. Thanks, everyone. Bye.